There's no intro music to start this episode because, quite frankly, this team hasn't earned a damn thing. I'm Russ. Bob is here. Kevin's here. If you're looking for a uh, podcast to uplift your spirits, this is not that one. If you're looking for one to rail against the team without any kind of rational thought, that is not this episode either. Uh, We're going to probably give you about as fair of a take as we possibly can as we break down the worst loss ever for a defending Super Bowl champion as uh, your Philadelphia Eagles got absolutely shellacked by the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. And uh, Bob, Kevin are here to break it down. You can follow them on Twitter at BW Crossing Broad and at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Guys, I'm not I don't really know. here to break break down anything. I'm just gonna I'm gonna work on uh, my post for the morning, and I'll make the occasional fart sound into the microphone. This is good. But this as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, as Stephen A. Smith once said, I'm gonna let you guys kind of run the show. Bob. All right, so I guess I'm up then. With, Take uh, it away. With that said, yeah, here I am. Some shows uh, like to start with the uh, who has a hot take. Let's yeah. uh, let's lead with that. Well, so you know what? Ke- like Kevin uh, leaves with a fart. All right, we're good. I'm watching the game, and in the first quarter, I'm angry, and I'm tweeting away, and I'm doing that thing that I do. If, if you follow me, you're like, this guy is just, he's insane. And I'm really upset, and I'm very frustrated with what I'm watching. But by the by halftime, by the third quarter, you just kind of said, this team isn't even playing the same game as the Saints. I mean, it's so apparently clear that the Eagles are not on the level of the elite teams or even the the second and third tier teams right now. I mean, we can talk ourselves into Thanksgiving Day, Redskins, Cowboys, what's it mean for the Eagles? They have a home game next week uh, that they're favored by five points in, remarkably, against the Giants at home at 1 o'clock. And we can do this whole song and dance and and talk ourselves into some path in which they they still win eight, nine games and and get into the playoffs. But, I mean, I think that at this point we're, we're fooling ourselves here. I mean, they were awful today. You know, they were outgained 190 to 15 in the first quarter. Um, I mean, they were outgained by 350 yards for the game. They've only forced seven turnovers in 10 games. They had no sacks. You can talk all you want about the injuries in the defensive secondary, but where is that vaunted defensive line at? I mean, you can't tell me that Derek Barnett goes out and then you can't get to the quarterback at all, period. I mean, they have so many problems across the board uh, coaching, execution. Uh, and, and hell, and I think the thing that we really should be talking about at the top of the show is the quarterback. Because if you really want to get people's blood boiling, uh, I'll tell you this. I mean, I, I love Carson Wentz, and I think the guy is still a franchise quarterback and, and all those you know qualifiers that we need to put out there so people don't go crazy. But he was horrible today. Uh, and, you know, I think that at least we need to have a conversation about his, I don't know if I want to use the word regression, but where things stand with Carson Wentz. And I, I do think that you, you have to put a little bit of what's happening with this team on his shoulders at this point. Don't you dare. Don't and, and you I, dare go after Carson. And, and, and if, if you do, ass. I did this a few weeks ago. Nick um, Foles. I don't, yeah, thanks. And that's the thanks, thing, though, Kevin, that, Kevin, right? Like, yeah. Nick, that's that's a preposterous <laughs> thing. Nobody's suggesting that he Carson should be Carson wouldn't benched. have won the Super Bowl. Nick yeah. Foles, at, come on, Bo. Nick and Foles won you the Super Bowl. You don't know what you would have gotten out of Carson Wentz. It's it's too early in the show to be going to the Cuz uh, impersonation. I think. Duh. Can I ask you like before we get into any of the specific kind of stuff? Can I ask you kind of like a macro level question? Because I think people are kind of throwing this idea out there that they quit that this this team quit. Um, but did they did they even really start? No. Like, no I this, feel like this, this team never really started. 
this year. I'm kind of still waiting for them to get started. This team is is continuing to morph into the <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers. I think they're just taking. I, I feel like the more I think about it, I think the, the the more I'm coming around to the idea of like I don't think they really gave a shit about this year to begin with. Like they were just like, kind I, of resting on their laurels. Yeah, it sounds really preposterous to think about it, but think about all the injuries you had coming into it. Um, everything seemed very calm and very casual and whatever. Uh, you know, training camp, there didn't really seem to be any kind of urgency or any kind of like, uh, you know, elevated level of, of thinking that you wanted to go out and d- defend the Super Bowl title. I mean, they were they were taking Super Bowl stuff down off of the locker room and they were kind of like poo-pooing the idea of like we're the defending champions and stuff like that. And I don't understand that thinking because you don't you want to go out and prove to people that last year wasn't a fluke? That it wasn't just some bullshit thing you got hot for a couple games in the playoffs with a backup quarterback and like the perfect storm of like being the number one seed but being disrespected at the same time. Like, is is that not like the the evolution of like performance where you want to show people that that was not some facade last year? That you actually are a good team and we're going to fucking go out and prove it and we're going to beat somebody into the ground because you want to get rid of that narrative. You don't want people to be able to say that it was just some one and done fluke kind of thing. But guess what they're saying? That's what they're saying now. (laughs) <laughs> because and, you, and they should you can't I mean, they you haven't proven, you haven't proven yeah you have not proven that you can that you can motivate yourself or perform beyond the very basic idea of we were the underdogs last year that's it that was the ceiling of this they're still team doing right that carson carson's comments after the game were yeah, like we believe you we, know. we know who we are like people don't believe in us well dude like that's a that's a fine bit of rationale to have you know if, if your team's like two and four you're you're not there the sample size is big enough to show that yeah they've lost the team, five of their the, last seven games i mean yeah, this team, isn't something that people there. are making up at this point i mean we're looking at the the facts here we're looking at the fact that they have lost games at home uh that they were favored to win they've lost games on the road that they've either let slip away late or they've just been completely bombarded like they were tonight um you know so i mean they're losing games every way possible right now this isn't some some narrative it's us against the world or that you know everyone is, is doubting us i mean it's just that you're not not playing well and you haven't played well for two months now yep. Kevin to your point is it that they were fat and happy uh and they, they felt like they kind of they scaled the mountain and so whatever or do you think that they knew even as early as August or the you know end of July when they came back they just did you think they had this feeling of like mm, we don't look as crisp we don't have that same edge this team isn't as good like do you think they knew it then in the preseason when they were struggling because i mean this thing dates back to, yeah. to really the the yeah. preseason it does yeah i mean there's some interesting quotes about that people saying that like like jason kelsey last week saying the accountability wasn't there which is interesting um with newski i think today after the game said tonight after the game said uh that for whatever re- reason, the game preparation and the execution has not been there. Hmm. I put more stock hmm. into what he says because he was kind of jerked around by the coach and stuff, and he was benched, benched for no real reason. Yeah, he was yep. scapegoated. So I'm very interested to see what his quotes look like. I, sh- I should actually get on Twitter and look at I would him actually right like now. to see Wisniewski go to another team and then just unload on what happened this season. Yeah, he's too much of a, of, um, you know, of uh, high, high morals christian values kind of guy to total shit talk anybody i, th- I think but um if he did that would be telling would it not yeah well, um, he's gonna be an interesting offseason with with the turnover that they're going to have i mean you gotta yeah, figure there's I, at least you, 12 to 18 guys that won't be here next year they, I'll, I'll be very interested to see kind of what leaks this offseason about what went wrong here and and really yeah. what what was going on inside that building because i think one thing that we'll probably end up talking about is is the role of uh mike grow right and and i know that last time we got together <laughs> not mike Rowe. not mike Rowe. It, it is a dirty job no, russ is good russ is gonna give me russ, coordinator. russ is gonna give me the frank reich and and john right. d john d filippo thing again and i like I wrote, I wrote that story. You wrote this week a really well just, thought out piece. 
Well, I, I wrote a well thought out piece. I'm going you know, to print I wrote, it out and the rip well it out because I well don't care. It's yeah, the well, the well thought out piece was that you can't know. Like this is like this is not like whether whether it's it's correct or not. It's that like logically, like how they teach it to you in college, like you do not have physical evidence to prove your point one way or another. Like everything is all circumstantial. There's too many. There's too many variables. You can look at it and say, "What, what did, did the Colts win today?" Andrew Luck had like three touchdowns. Did they end up winning? Yeah, they they blew out the Titans at home. Okay, okay, right. Blew so you can say out. you can say, "Well, they're good." The Frank Reich, look at what he's doing with the Colts this year. They're really good, and the Eagles don't have him, so the Eagles are shit. Well, guess what? The Eagles had Frank Reich in 2016, and they were dog shit back then too. Frank Reich never called a single play while he was here. So unless he was in, unless you're like. Um, you know, the FBI and you've got the headsets wiretapped between these two guys, or you were like sitting in the game preparation room where they were scripting like the first 15 plays of every, of every game. Like, so then, then you can't know. It's not, right. it's not to say but that you're wrong, Ross. It's not to say that you're wrong. It's just, that you can't, you can't like physically, nobody can, can qualify or quantify like exactly what his specific contributions with the team beyond, Hey, they're shit now, but they weren't shit last year. But then, you know, at the same time, like, okay, so we, we could maybe say that, um, not having that evidence like doesn't necessarily say if Doug Peterson is a good head football coach or no, not. No, right. It's it but, works but, in the other uh, way think, too. Yeah, but I think yeah. you can you can work this specifically as offensive coordinators. Like when the Eagles went from uh Childress to Morningweg, right? Like you could have compared one V one what these guys look like. Like Andy Reid still called the plays. Um so I, I don't I don't know. Like I, I feel like the more the season goes on, like I, I'm looking for that definitive moment from the season where I said, you know, Doug really nailed that. There, like there, is Doug, no, there, Doug, there is no Doug moment. nailed that play call or like we didn't see that coming or like the the gutsiness and going for it on fourth down for the most part has been there now I was actually surprised a couple times early in the game they didn't go for it on a fourth and one now I know it would have given New Orleans a short field but in fairness I think you knew that this New Orleans attack was was going to you know take on this depleted secondary and, and we're going to put up points regardless and I thought that kind of set a bad tone kind of back to a, a point that you had made earlier Kevin like did they ever get started? No, they didn't. And I said they're they're kind of like the Flyers in that sense, like the the way that things have been going. Like it's it's another slow start where they just kind of sleepwalk their way, hoping that they're going to get through the first quarter. And and there's really not a whole lot of energy. Like Carson Wentz comes off the field, smashes his helmet onto the bench. Right? Like we've never, to my recollection, seen Carson Wentz get visibly frustrated mm-hmm. on the sideline. Mm-hmm. If there was anything to jumpstart this team, you would think that it would be Carson Wentz doing something demonstrative on the sideline. And now, here's happened. the thing. And, he, and he nothing, feels like nothing worked. No, he it feels like he cares more about it, and he's showing more this year because he was not part of the Super Bowl run Bingo. last year. And yep. I, I wonder if, it's, if, if guys like Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey – um, and Nigel Bradham or whatever people who were part of that last year feel the same way that some of us do, which is like, well, we won it finally. And now it's, you know, I don't really, I'm not as concerned. I'm a little more numb to losses and like, it's not as, ex- it's not, you know, this weird feeling of, well, we'll never win the first one again. You know, I'm not super as excited. I'm satisfied because they finally won it. You know, I'm not, you know, going to ride or die with the Eagles like I did last year because I finally got to see that Super Bowl And now, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how else you describe it, but maybe they, maybe they, some of them feel the same way. Maybe the people who weren't involved in that, Carson Wentz, 
maybe Jason Peters, maybe they feel like a need to go above and beyond because they weren't part of that last year. Maybe the other guys are like, well, we, we won it. You know what, what next, what now, you know, the champions fucking, you know, show some metal here and say, we want to defend it and prove, prove that that wasn't a fluke last year, but these guys just aren't, do, aren't doing that. And they don't seem to be bothered. So do you think that he's, do you think that part of his struggles and listen, he's obviously, if you look at it statistically, he's been good this year and I, there have been stretches in which he's played very well. And yeah, he's had better measurable good, yeah. numbers through right. this point in the season than he did last year absolutely um you know obviously we're focusing on what just happened but i I look at this and i do kind of wonder you know is this him trying to overcompensate for the fact that he wasn't here last year is he trying to do too much i mean are these legitimate mental things that he's dealing with out on the field like when he gets the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter is he thinking about hey i wasn't out here last year when they did it you know people are looking for me to try to make a big play you know is that what this is or the concern that i have forget the the point output um forget the fact that they look a little bit sloppy a little bit unmotivated which all does go back to the head coach obviously um i'm a little bit concerned though just watching the game and and again i'm not trying to sound like an all 22 guy here but he looks skittish at times he looks jittery at times Mm -hmm. Uh, mechanically he doesn't look as fluid at times um and and i kind of wonder if there is a little bit of a concern and and again i think the word regression may be extreme but he doesn't look as smooth as he did a year ago and maybe that part of that plays into the injury that he's coming back from oh by the way but yeah I I don't know man like I I am a little bit concerned and I know when you criticize the quarterback people go whoa 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 you know Jim Schwartz the defense the injuries there's so much more going on besides the quarterback yeah it doesn't mean he's not part of it talk about his struggles yeah correct correct yeah I, I don't and 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 look, they're killed by some things on the offensive front too. I mean, none of those running backs can pass block. <laughs> okay, no. Jason Kelsey went out in what like the second series of the game or something, so he had whiz back there. The play calling around him has not been good. Um, the third and when it when this was still a game, it was seventeen to seven, right before um, like with yep. four minutes in the second quarter. Uh, Doug Peterson calls a timeout they use a timeout and then they come back with a with a seven step drop on a third and three on a third and three uh whiz you know gets beat at center but that's such a slow developing play that that should have never been called in the first place and he looked like carson looked like he went and tried to play action to the side that the running back was not on so i don't even know what the hell that was in the first place here's the other thing you go out and sign golden tate and we talked about the redundancy of of his skill set with jordan matthews and with nelson aguilar too uh, so if you know that you don't have any running backs who can block worth a shit and you know that your offensive line hasn't played worth a shit at all this year go empty set brother go five wide put aguilar tate matthews alshon jeffrey or Jeffries, if you want to call him that, as most people in Philadelphia do, because they still don't know his last name. And put Zach Ertz in there, too. Play play five wide. See, Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks killed the Eagles playing five wide, empty set last year. That's what your strengths are on offense now. Your strengths are not Josh Adams and Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clements. So play, play to your strengths. Like, these, these things just look so obvious to me that I don't I don't even know what the hell they're trying to do offensively. It's well, almost 12, like they went out runs. In, it's it's in almost like they went out and acquired Golden Tate and they, they don't know what to do with him. I mean he's got what six catches for fifty eight yards now in two games. Yeah, and he's thirteen still, and a half points a game since he's been here. Yeah, I know. And somehow somehow, some way he's finished with forty eight yards and led the led the team. So go go figure, you know. Yeah. But they didn't they they you know they tried to get him on that like end around um that was blown oh, yeah. up in the in the backfield. Like it, it seemed like they just they knew they they needed something, but they didn't really know how to implement it or what it was. 
Um, the other thing, not offensively, but defensively, I swear to fucking God, if I, if I see anybody like, okay, so, so let me just preface this by saying that I watched uh, West Virginia fucking choke on Saturday night and in, in Big 12, Big 12 football. <laughs> you don't even need to give the game. We know it's going to happen, Kevin. I, Big 12 football, it's all fucking offense and no defense, right? So everybody, everybody, you know, the best job in America is being a defensive coordinator in the Big 12. Yeah, I know. It said, said nobody ever, right? So you, the thing is that they drop eight and they only rush three and they try to drop into that heavy zone and they, they give the quarterback nothing to throw into right but that 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 should that's such a defeatist fucking loser scheme to do that like i understand like big 12 college football specialty stuff like that whatever but the eagles ran three-man rush a couple times in this game like there is there's no reason ever ever that you should be rushing three and dropping eight in the NFL. Not not unless unless it's like four it's unless it's like fourth and thirty-five and you're up by three touchdowns, you know? Because that's the strength the strength of your team is a defensive line. It's a defensive line. You you got nobody in the secondary as it is. And you're not gonna to play mention- you're gonna play you're gonna drop eight when you're already down uh Sidney Jones was out of the game. Rodney McLeod's not in there. Mills is out. Darby is out. You're going to drop eight? What the, what the fuck is Jim Schwartz thinking when yeah, I mean, he's Drew doing Brees, that? Drew Brees had 30 dropbacks today, 30 pass attempts. He wasn't sacked one time. And, oh, by the way, we want to talk about the offensive lines injuries on the Eagles' side. I mean, they played this game without their left tackle today. I mean, so Teron yeah. Armstead was out, yeah. and they didn't sniff Breeze. And when they did, you know, he just easily moved in the pocket, delivered a ball. And and it was just – it was that simple. So, I mean, you talk about it. You're down Jalen Mills. You're down Ronald Darby, Rodney McLeod, Russell Douglas, like Sidney Jones. Yeah. You know, that bonus yeah. first-round pick, Sidney Jones, that we're all so excited about. <laughs> I mean, he can't stay on the field and complete a game at this point. I like, so, b- b- I like, I like snarky you on Twitter during uh, Eagles games, during – Sixers games. Um. I don't get as snarky during Sixers games. See, like the great thing about the Sixers for me <laughs> is that like I want the Sixers to do well. Yeah. But like I don't want to rip my hair out when they don't. Right. No. So, like, well, it's a, when they lose, yeah. it's just like, all right, well, that sucks. I'm, yeah. I'm bummed out because they didn't play well, and it sucks that other people are upset. But like, I'm gonna go on living my life now. Whereas, oh, true, true, true. Th- with the Eagles, it's Jeff like, and Jeff and Phil want to argue oh about God, it for three yeah. three days and slap. Yeah. Which is which is why I don't log into the the chat yeah. room anymore during the and, Sixers games because. It's just you're not. all the better for it. Yeah. yeah. So listen, I was trying to, you know, I do the 10 takeaways in the morning and I'm having trouble finding 10 uh, that are worth talking about. I mean, really, there's not any that are worth talking about. But, you know, here's what I got so far. I got the first quarter offense. Okay. They still can't script for shit. Right. They went three and out and three and out today. Six offensive plays for 15 yards and zero first down on the opening two drives. Um, Mike Grow, coincidentally, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say, Russ, about this. Has Mike Grow ever said anything that sounded remotely impressive this year or intriguing in a press conference? Or is there anything on his resume that stands out to you as impressive? Nope. No. Offensive coordinator at UVA for a couple years while his dad was there. And I think I saw a tweet tonight. He He was the passing game coordinator with the LA Rams when they were like 31st. Yep. Out of 32 teams, I think that was another seven and nine Jeff Fisher year. Was that was it a Jeff Fisher year, yes. So that to me could be mo- the most evidence of anything. But he, but again, he's not he, you know, he's not calling the plays. So is Doug Peterson just like crippled without Frank? Right? Was was Frank Reich, you know, ghost calling the plays through his headset and nobody ever knew about it? Or was well, did, remember Doug Peterson really hadn't called plays before. 
becoming the head coach of uh, of the Eagles. True, like, although like I seem Andy, to remember that Andy, didn't uh, Andy let him call him in like the second the half end. of games yeah. or something? Yeah. Yep. Well, well, here you go. To your point, Kevin, uh, the five worst scoring offenses in the first quarter this season are the Giants, who I believe had 14 at the end of the first quarter today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Miami, Cleveland, and the Jets all had 2.4 points per game. I believe that all three of those teams were on the bye this week. Mm-hmm. And then that would bring you to the 32nd-ranked Philadelphia Eagles, who came into today averaging 2.3 points per game, and they didn't score. Yeah. So, I mean, they are – it's not like, oh, they're middle of the road or a little bit below average. I mean, they are dead last. And just to give you some perspective here, um, you want to take a stab at who number one is in this category, who the best first-quarter scoring offense is this year? The L.A. Rams. Uh, No, they're they're up there. Uh, They're actually number 10. But the number one team is the Kansas City Chiefs, 9.2 points Mm. per game. The fighting Andy Reid's. Yeah. yeah, no, because that was the whole thing when Andy Reid was here. Well, the scripted plays are, are excellent. And but really, the Eagles were. You crap afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. but the Eagles were tremendous uh, last year in the first quarter. I mean, they yeah. thrived in the first quarter. So that's really what makes this, this you know, sluggish or these sluggish starts so confounding, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing, I think, so for the story tomorrow, I'm just going to go through the last couple games and look at what the first drive netted. Last week against the Cowboys, they threw a pass for one yard. Josh Adams left end for no gain. Uh, Carson Wentz uh, pass for seven yards and a punt. <laughs> I think if you go back, yeah, I mean, that was a Cowboy game. They didn't get shit off of there. What happened against the Jaguars? I don't think they did anything on the first series, did they? Oh, they fumbled it. They went right down the field, and then they fumbled it. Yeah, they fumbled. Yep. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I just I, – I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to poo-poo the, the, the Frank Reich and John DeFilippo thing. I'm just saying that the argument is, is based on the idea that we, you know, we, we can't really know, honestly, if, unless we were sitting in the room with them, you know? This is Philadelphia sports talk. We, we don't need to have evidence. Well, that's true, and shame, I guess shame on you for thinking we yeah, do. Yeah, nor do you need to have it in anything really these well, days. Well, I think but, because uh, we're depressing maybe, the hell maybe out I'm of everybody here. Uh, let me just ask this, and I know the answer to this, but. Um, what do you think about this team moving forward? I mean, is there any way that they can scrape together a, a couple functional performances and just win a division that no, looks god awful? No, I mean, no, does I mean, it matter? We say like, what? no. It Why does anybody matter. care? It the team, matter. you know, who should be the but most you know pissed off team though, Bob, is is the Giants. The Giants are like actively trying to lose games. They drafted a running back specifically so that they could tank the next year and get a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I don't know that and, that franchise quarterback is going to be there to be it, had. It probably though, won't either. be. And. And they're only a Will game Greer. behind the Eagles at this point. Like yeah, maybe Will Greer. But. This is this is wild. <laughs> Will Greer and, and Saquon Barkley playing yeah. for the Giants would be like the wor- the worst thing yeah. in the world for me. But listen, no, they, they you know there was a moment like I think when the Saints went up ten nothing in this game where I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, Alex Smith is done for the year, right? I'm like, the Redskins don't have it, right? I'm like, shit, the, the Cowboys the Cowboys are gonna fucking win the NFC East, aren't they? Yep. At eight and eight, they're gonna the slide way, in. At eight and eight, they're gonna they're gonna play like the Panthers or the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs, and it's gonna be like it's gonna be like thirteen to ten in the fourth quarter, and then there's gonna be some kind of like. I will say, as much as I am dismissive of the Cowboys, I mean. It is a good defense. The defense it's a very is for good real. defense. Yeah, yeah I mean, Jalen Smith, how about that? There's the guy in that draft that missed his entire rookie season or what would have been his rookie season yeah, and yeah. came back and was a difference maker, whereas we have a – you know, we have Sidney Jones. You're hating so. on Sidney Jones. Wow. <laughs> I am hating on Sidney Jones a little bit. <laughs> like, you know, that's rough. He, 
He's you the gotta savior. Give me more than that. He's you Troy gotta Vincent. Give what are you doing? Give me a little bit more than that. You know, I, I don't. I, to bill a so, guy is a is a bonus first round pick essentially, and then for him to give you that. Well, and I was I really will say one thing. Yeah, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. One, one thing that Rasul. I mean, they they. We'll give Jim, Jim Schwartz credit yeah, on that. Rasul's they nailed Rasul Douglas because yeah. he's he's brutal. I I I'm really disappointed in Rasul because obviously I watched him play throughout college, and he was a really good player. He had like eight interceptions in his final year at WVU, and. You know, like I said, with the Big 12, it's hard to know because there's just a lot of gimmicky shit that happens in there. I mean, think about all the quarterbacks that have come out of the Big 12 that have been misses. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph, we don't really think as much of anything. Uh, Davis Webb, um, Geno Smith, um, you know, Baker Mayfield obviously looks like he's pretty good, but I don't, I don't know what his future is in the NFL, you know. Pat, Ma- Pat Mahomes is excellent, and nobody thought that he was going to be excellent, but it's just hard to, to predict things coming out of a, out of the Big Twelve. It really is. And and Rasul, when you play in a three three five, I mean, you know, we played five defensive backs as a base defense. So he's coming into the NFL. He's playing in a pro pro style defense is where they're playing, you know, base four three three four, um, you know, or or a lot of heavy nickel and dime and stuff like that. But he's not a slot corner. It looks like he's too slow to play on the outside here. And a lot of people say he's he's kind of like a safety. He's got safety build because he's like six foot two. He's lanky. He's got ball hawking skills. But on like a couple of the, I don't I don't think he's fast enough to to make lateral movements and make plays as a safety in the NFL. I mean, there's there's one screenshot I saw on Twitter where the ball was in, I guess it was Michael Thomas's hands or something like that. And Rasul was just getting his head turned to look to locate the ball while the ball was in the hands of the receiver behind him. Um, and that was the play, I think, where he tripped and like injured his knee, uh, not even being anywhere close to the to the uh, receiver. So, I mean, that's it's super disappointing because if anything, the, the takeaway from all the injuries would be like, well, these guys are going to get a chance to prove themselves. But the only person who looked like he, he even belonged on the field at all was uh, was Bosby, Chandon Sullivan, <laughs> Chandon Sullivan it was Devonte Bosby, who was who was yeah. who's always who had like kind of a decent training camp, and he's always that name that kind of pops up, pops up, and you're like, oh, maybe it's his year finally or something, but. I mean, think about what you got going into next week, man. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon, you know, catching passes. My jaw hit the floor when I saw the the line next week. And, uh, you know, if if you've been reading the site at all, I've been kind of – uh, relegated to the gambling uh, side of things, and yeah. like I write these game previews that come out on Friday, and I wrote this eighteen hundred word preview about this game today, and I said, <laughs> contextually speaking, uh, everything about this game tells me that the Eagles are going to get blown out. If you mm-hmm. look at the gambling trends, the the money, the, like the sharp betters in Vegas pushed the line down to like seven, seven and a half right before kickoff. Yeah. Um, it, it looked like from the the betting context side of things, though, that this was like an Eagles game. You know, uh, the, the Saints have covered now eight straight games against the spread I'm like I if there's a spot for this team to kind of show up and sneak them and hang around like I picked the Saints to win the game but I was like I guess they can cover seven and a half and when you look at some of the trends um it made sense but they just go out and they play like that and then you after the game you look at it and you go Jesus they had Chandon Sullivan and and you know what Craven Craven LeBlanc Cra- back there yeah, yeah Craven LeBlanc yeah. <laughs> you know matched up against Michael Thomas you know. know and so who covers so who covers covering Alvin Kamara forty yards oh, downfield I know, I it know. just I mean you know and I said I can't believe I I picked so I can't believe I picked the Eagles against the spread here I have you know? two I have two questions for you guys then number one who covers Odell Beckham Jr. next week and num- <laughs> and number number two, hang on let me ask the second one. Number two, um, is Sean Payton a fucking asshole? Yeah, no. he no, is. He's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. He's an asshole. I'm sure he is. 
But in this, but he and this, Doug are boys, case, right? Yeah. Like they're cool. Who cares? So wait, but why it's was he NFL, like going for an fourth it's, and seven? It's pro with, sports. Like this isn't this isn't like Pottsville High School and Blue Mountain playing a. Uh, here, there you go, little school county out. Like, this, this is like Pottsville and Blue Mountain, like playing some yeah. meaningless football game at the end of you know coal region. This ain't uh, this ain't intramurals, like, brother. Look, the, like no, seriously though, it's it's not like playing at the Y. Like, let's be honest here. Like, these are pro athletes. You you don't put on a mercy rule. Do you, right? yeah, but like, I do. Well, have a little pride. If you're the, if you're the Eagles, deep on fourth and seven. Up who cares? Seven it's professional sports. <laughs> you don't Taysom like Hill giving in the up. Game, you since don't, you're you don't him, like fuck him. Run and run and run him up the gut again. Look, you don't you don't like it. Stop it. You don't like it. Take a late run at their quarterback. There was none of that. And I'm not advocating for injuring players like Sean Payton did during. Uh, what the hell was that? What was I'm not game? saying. Oh, the bounty, 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 bounty gate. Bounty gate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like not that, but like bounty you mean to tell me after after that, you as a team aren't going to have your like you've had your pride questioned now. You're not going to go out and do anything. Yeah, but so you're not going to take I, a swipe. I, I, like, I agree with I'm you, not but that's still, but he's dirty, still, but he's like, still a damn, fucking man, asshole. Like, it doesn't make him any well, less of an asshole, you know. Well, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> but like again, who cares? He's just like, a dick. The guy's just kind of a dick. Sure, maybe he is. Yeah. Doug, Doug is like everybody's friend. Doug has gotten out coached most weeks this year. Do I care that Doug is a nice guy? No, no, no I don't. No, no, no. But I'm just wondering it doesn't if there was help. anything. It, it didn't help. Like it hasn't helped all year. More, it seemed like there was something more to it than that. Does he have history with the Schwartz anywhere? Maybe. Does Peyton have history with Schwartz in, in anything? I don't know, but I'll tell you what. I, I think that uh, if Peyton and, and uh, Peterson are boys... He might have just helped give Doug the reason to uh, to drop the axe on uh, Schwartz after the season. It's, I don't yeah, think it's going to happen. Uh, I really don't think. That's one thing I do want to address. At the end of the Talking season? Talking about like someone's got to pay, heads need to roll. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think I read today that the Eagles came into today's game with the sixth-ranked scoring defense in the NFL before today. Um, I will say this. I mean, I am not a huge proponent of Jim Schwartz, but – I am starting to kind of trend back to, like, if we're going to point fingers, I think this is more of an offensive issue than it is a defensive issue when you consider the amount of injuries that they've had yeah. in that defensive secondary. Yeah, probably, now, probably. yeah I, I don't disagree I, with that. And, I think I, and there, again, there's I, logic in that. I'm not telling you that, that this guy has done a good job this season or whatever, but I do think it's, I think it's aggressive to fire the defensive coordinator of a Super Bowl winner one year after they won the Super Bowl when you look at the context of what has happened to his unit. Um, yeah, well, ironically, this was the year I think that everybody thought Schwartz was going to have another good year and then take the leap to take another right. co- head coaching uh, job. Yeah, you know? I don't think those that's not going to happen now. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen now. You know, so unless Condoleezza, there's like some internal... Condoleezza Rice, on the other hand, she's in yeah. line Josh for McDaniels. the Browns. Uh, I mean, unless McDaniels there's internal strife, though, I don't see anybody. that. <laughs> what if Doug fired Jim Schwartz and brought in... Condoleezza Rice to be the defensive coordinator. Nah, Colin Powell. What about Spags? Spags. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's what's going to happen. He's going to fire. Oh, Spags. He's gonna oh, fire. Spags. We got Spags, Spags on. We got Spags. Yeah. Spags he's gonna fi- custom he's, primo. He's going to yeah. fire Mike Grow and he's going to fire uh, Jim Schwartz, and he's going to bring in Condoleezza Rice to run the <laughs> offense, and Spags is going to be the defensive Condoleezza Rice and Spags down to Chickies. And Anthony, Anthony Gargano will be the the quality control co- uh, coordinator. I want to I want to just anger some people really quick. So Elliot Shore Parks tweeted out before the game. Uh, Dak Prescott now has 12 game-winning drives in his career. Carson Wentz has three. He's not wrong, man. I mean, that's it's it's accurate. It's funny because like Dak's numbers not great. Dak better offensive line. Granted, 
dynamic running back, which comes back to an issue that I, I see going forward in this division. Um, the, the Eagles, like getting back to like this idea of it's more on the offensive side of things. I agree. Like I, in our Slack chat, Jeff was getting so irate and, and incensed about the fact that the defense was giving up so many points. It's like, well, they're secondary again, didn't we? Like there's yeah, we the secondary is so bad that like you can't, you can't really get a grasp on like how good or bad anything on this defense is because the secondary is so bad. I do have questions about the linebacking core, though, because I feel like last year all we heard was just imagine if they had Jordan Hicks. Just imagine if they had Jordan Hicks. We have Jordan Hicks this year. You have Nigel Bradham this year. When's the last time that you heard those guys mentioned as having made a big play? No, it's now, maybe, yeah, maybe that's by on virtue the, on the Nigel Bradham bandwagon last year, and then he got he got paid and. Yep. I mean, they, you know. they're they they're practically non-existent. So flip back to the offensive side of the ball. Like, and, and I don't know, maybe this comes back to like Doug, this comes back to the planning of, of plays or whatever. But like the Saints had an awful passing defense it was yeah. the worst, I think, going oh into the game. God, right. Yeah. He goes 19 of 33, 156 yards. And he finished with a QB rating of 31.9. Now, maybe, you know, some people want to say that that that's Carson. And and I kind of agree with Bob that he's playing skittish, but I, I don't think you see a regression like that without there being other issues. I've said yeah, all I yeah. said all summer the offensive line they haven't addressed they haven't addressed it in the draft. Running back is a position they have not really addressed yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, just chime they, in on this real quick. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you about the offensive line, and I think that they're obviously going to have to expend significant resources in the offseason, whether that be via a draft pick or, a, you know, a big-time signing in order to patch up left tackle. And I give you credit because you were out in front on Jason Peters, and I kind of thought you were nuts at the time, and but it's kind of proven itself to be true. The one thing that I watch, when I even watch, like, the, the Bears, which is, I would say, an average offense, but you watch the games this afternoon across the NFL, and, you know, good offenses have electric difference-making players, speed, game-changing speed. I mean, you watch the Rams play, you watch the Chiefs, you look at a guy like Tyreek Cohen uh, with the Bears, is which I'm watching right now as it just went into the half, and, and he's been flying around tonight. Guys like Dalvin Cook, and the, the Eagles, for as, good as they were, for as good as they were offensively last year, you look at this offense, and it's just very, like, it's slow, like prodding down methodical. the field, slow, methodical offense. There's no pop. And, you know, I think that they're going to have to address that. They just don't have the ability to hit home runs with this offense. Or if they do have it, they certainly haven't demonstrated it. They just look slow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I keep belching, by the way. We just had Pizza Hut like an hour ago. Uh, yeah, Pizza Hut will do that. Too. Yeah, we it's got good. the – um, and we got the, the like the Alfredo on the side too. And they actually gave us like it's an nice. extra like cheesy bread because they fucked it up. And they, they made a version of the cheesy bread where they baked like chicken into the – the cheesy oh bread. yeah that's delicious yeah i think so that's I didn't, not a problem I didn't any yeah. beverages problem uh, this evening yeah. no although i i yeah. after the yeah. west virginia loss last night i just got fucking shit-faced i went down that's to good. evil genius and got like some like 9.8 percent um we like have a uh, guy stuff. here on uh on twitter um chris rodriguez he wants to know if you've been to tonewood yet which is in oakland south jersey have oh no but i've yet heard yet of yet? that place before yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. fuego is like it's popping off right now fuego is very very good yeah that's cool man i got yeah i gotta get down there i um yeah, it's a good spot yeah good maybe spot. you and i have to meet up at tired hands uh one of these days and we'll <laughs> you're not a tired hands guy though we could do like tonewood no, great but, that's like 10 minutes like, away from you, me but you know what my my thing is with like tired hands i'm not i'm not like Number one, they just make stuff that's like not really like my bag. You know, I'm not really into like sours like and saves. No, I'm not into like the 
triple upside down uh, super saison sour or whatever the fuck you know but i like i like ex- uh, it's actually called saison hands oh saison hands yeah. Yeah. they just come <laughs> off as a little bit like like no disrespect There's to a little bit yeah, no disrespect to tired hands but they do yeah they do seem kind of pretentious yeah. where i think like nishamini creek and like evil genius will do things that are like kind of experimental and different but they don't do it in a way that's like um I, I don't know. It just dickish. it just seems like dickish. Yeah, I don't know. Like if when if I if I read the description of your beer and it's like fucking like longer than a crossing broad story, then like it doesn't like I, I don't know. <laughs> well, if you if you're if you're approaching a uh, an athletic article written by uh, and Anthony Sanfilippo Flyers recap. Yeah, yeah, I think Anthony on. and Charlie O'Connor from the Athletic are in a like I don't think they know it, but I but think they're, they're in a competition yeah. to see who can write the longest. Flyers recap of all time. Charlie wrote one, like, I think it was last week that I think had to be 4,000 words and not a single <laughs> quote was in it. Really? And I was, I was like, oh my God, like, this is, this is dense. Do you I like, mean, like do you like advanced, good points in there, but... do, you, do you like advanced stats uh, in hockey, Russ, now that you're a hockey yeah. um, beat guy? Yeah, no. No. I mean, it's, it's like, yes and no. There, there are definitely things that, that like Corsi and Fenwick can tell you about a game that you that you wouldn't know with traditional stats, mm-hmm. but like to to try to extra- extrapolate that data and then try to like build this, I, I don't know, like some some of these analytics people who only go analytics and and don't really seem to grasp what's There's going gotta on. There's got to be a middle ground. Taking the human element, yeah, like yeah. you're you're missing, like you're you've gone so far off the edge the other way that you're. You're missing the point. Yeah, it's true. It's, right? it's like too it, much in the, It's too the, much the in The old school guys yeah. who are just like, oh, it's the eye test. I was down in the locker room. I saw this guy. Yeah, they got like, a lot okay, of well, they got a lot of muckers side. and grinders in there. Yeah, exactly. And they beat their brains and, out. And da- and Dave the Hammer. Uh, yeah, and, and like what? It, beat what a twenty and thirty year old, twenty and thirty year olds like make fun of that, right? Yeah. Well, you can't go so far to the other side where like there's no human element to it. And like, it was funny, Anthony and I when we were recording something, I think it was at the end of last season, maybe it was the beginning of this season. We were like talking about there was somebody who had done like an analytics dive into like Flyers Penguins. Mm -hmm. And it was like it was just spreadsheet after spreadsheet, like just these tables of these like one zonal metric of like dump ins deep into the zone. Mm. And when you actually like take the percentages, it, it really is the difference of like one dump in per game. But like oh. you put it in a table form, sounds like my where it made Sunday it look morning. like it was this like legit. <laughs> where you made it sound like it was this like legit, <laughs> highbrow, well thought out thing. But like it's nothing. It's yeah. it's one extra dump. Yeah, in. one so, dump in that that sounds like what's going to happen tomorrow morning after. Well, after uh, pizza actually, I, I do want to. I, I do want to bring up that we have a <laughs> Twitter <of> follower, <laughs> Gritty Claws, uh, says that he would like you to make one of your fart noises because that pretty much sums up what we watch this afternoon. Oh, okay, so. cool. All right, ready. Yeah. Uh, Alright, let's get off the Eagles really That's quick. what the can people we, come can for we get, right? Do you have yeah. a final, yeah. does anybody have a final uh, Eagles thought though? Because I feel like we got to put a bow on this bullshit They suck and, and this isn't surprising It's not surprising I, Should they just put, let, let's, let's end here, let's end it With an exercise Let's try to name every single person who got injured today Rasul Douglas, Rasul Douglas. How about Jason Kelsey Sidney Jones Avante Maddox. Avante Maddox is four. Yeah, yeah, Jason Kelsey, yeah. Um, Jason Peters probably was hurt. <laughs> just, just like 4.5, something in there, yeah. Or is there more? Yeah. I feel like there was a fifth one. Yeah. 
There may have been. Uh, okay. So just so just four Whatever. starters. Everyone, I don't know, 53 oh, uh, men's egos. You know who got hurt? Rick Lovato. Rick I believe he was being evaluated <laughs> for the, the long Demi? snapper was being evaluated for concussion post-game. Yeah. So, well, they're gonna yeah. have to. I so, think what they're gonna have to do is uh, activate. You know, it'll be one big press release. They activate Tim Jernigan, put Rick Lovato on uh, season-ending <laughs> IR. Yeah. Rich, uh, Richard Rodgers comes are back. Show up. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully we get back Richard Rodgers, uh, Tim Jernigan, and uh, Darren Sproles for oh, four Matt snaps. Collins? Yeah. Anybody want Matt Collins back uh, yeah. at this point? Matt yeah, Collins, yeah. Mike Wallace. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that'll wow. do it for that. Uh, I. Yeah. I, I you got them winning next week? Do they win next week or do they lose to the Giants? Care? Ah, people care. care. You, you know what? If people didn't care, they wouldn't be listening to this Some show. Some dude's so. going to no, talk his way want, into like, I think well, people just want to hear that they're not crazy. Yeah, I mean, but you, you know, you're, does anybody actually look at this game. and go, oh, they can rattle off six Listen, straight? Can no, I, God, hell no. Can I, of course can they can't. Like, you know, people talk shit on Crossing Broad and Crossing Broadcast because they say, like, well, you guys bitch about sports radio all the time, but you can only do like fucking two podcasts a week or whatever, right? And, you know, well, after shit like that, you don't need to talk about that that crap for forty hours. Uh, think about Mike Missinelli's, you know, show this week. Two to six Who? tomorrow. Who? Google me. Um, four <laughs> hours tomorrow. Four hours the next day. For does he really need to take twenty hours to talk about that Eagles game on five different days? You know, sometimes well, take three hours of uh, of general knowledge. Wednesday. Sometimes less is more. That's what I'm saying. So it's like you know maybe the problem is twenty four seven talk radio. You ever think of it that way? Well. All right, anyway, on to the next thing. Yeah. Solve yeah, the let's, world's problem. Let's, uh, it was just let's a misunderstanding a with, with me and Mike anyway. We're cool. Oh, are yeah. you? That's that's sweet. You guys going to meet just up? Just in case anybody gave half a shit. No, I don't, no, I don't think we're going to meet up. professionally colored or is he dying I don't think himself? we're going to meet up. I'm actually no, wondering. No. All right. Um, Google. Really quick. <laughs> uh, Chris Rodriguez asked the uh, the question, when will Hackstall be fired? When will Harper sign? Before or after winter meetings, uh, Bob, I will defer to you. When do you think Hackstall will be fired? Just kidding. When? Uh, <laughs> when do you think Harper? Yeah, this is a question sign? for Bob. <laughs> I think uh, Bryce Harper will sign one of the first two weeks of December. I think this is a December thing. Um, probably uh, either at the winter meetings. I could see that he's from that area uh, out in Las Vegas, which I believe is where the meetings are going to be held. Area. So I could see that being some type of spectacle out there. Um, but. Yeah, I think it's going to be a couple more weeks, you know, when he signs. Now, where he signs, uh, that's an entirely different story. He's signing here. I, I do. Come on. When we, Anthony and I recorded last week when we last did our, uh, our Phillies podcast, and my belief is that they're going to sign him. I think that John Middleton's kind of backed himself into a corner, and if you want to talk about this, great. If not, whatever, we can just move on. But he came out the other day, obviously, and, and said that they were going to spend a lot of money, maybe even be a little bit stupid, to borrow his words. And I think that what he's doing here, he's not doing his general manager any favors, uh, that's for sure, because he's applying a lot of pressure to go out and make big splashes. But I think that they are prepared to do that, and I think that you don't say those things unless you're ready to really step up and, and get into a bidding war with someone else um so i expect them to sign bryce harper you know that's obviously not source knowledge that's i know that's another thing that people like to say about us you know oh you know you don't have any connections you're not down there grinding like it's not my fucking job to do that i'll let other people do that mm. and we'll do what we do but yeah i mean my hunch is that they're going to to make a significant push to sign him and you know you got to consider them the front runners to do it at this point cuantos dólares 500 millones or 
Uh, you want to talk about your story that you see, translated? Because I don't know what the hell you just said. <laughs> said how many how many dollars are they going to pay him? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, and I said quinientos millones. I took two semesters yes, of Spanish see, in college. Uh, okay, and, uh, so quinientos millones, of course, is uh, five hundred million. Of course. Yeah, that's yeah. not that was, happening. So, I, yeah, that sounds so insane this, to me. This was uh, like the fun. This was the fun thing that I had. So I pendejo. caught wind of of this. Uh, <laughs> shut up. Uh, I caught wind of this uh, this thing that came out of uh, El Sol de Margarita in uh, Venezuela, and yeah, it, it sounds almost as outlandish as it as it really is. But there was this like I, I don't know how old this is guy is. Is that the name of the newspaper? Be, yeah, it's called El yeah. Sol de Margarita. De Margarita. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, reporter Juan Benet, who has like twenty six thousand followers on Twitter, he um he reported. I'll, I'll start with the the Bryce Harper thing. That he said that Scott Boris is still insisting that um, Bryce Bryce Harper deserves five hundred million over ten seasons, which is just uh, <laughs> outlandish would be the best way to put it. But then um, Benet also was the one who came out and said that <clears throat> the Phillies are no longer interested in signing Manny Machado. And it, now I I think you take this with like six grains of salt. I said that in the thing that I wrote as well. You take it with a lot of grains of salt because one. It's this Venezuelan reporter. Uh, it's not like now. I I don't know how well known Benet is in the Latin American community here for uh, for his baseball coverage, but um, Machado's Dominican and uh, not Venezuelan. Uh, so it's I don't know. I don't even think we can go with like the idea that this guy was like somebody who followed him from the time he was a child, unless you know Benet. I I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Benet like called Manny Machado Maria Monito, which is like this old Venezuelan folk tune about a girl who gets mad when the when the uh, narrator doesn't eat this uh, lumpy mixture of banana and rice. Did you like but, know that before? Uh, yeah, I, I knew before the, the story. Okay. Well, I, I, I was aware of the song. Okay. Um, but then I, I was reading these other people like posting about it uh, before I put this thing up on the site and they're, they're wrong. This is the thing that, that makes me mad is all of these companies who go out and, and employ people to write things about, sports or about whatever they definitely have somebody on staff who speaks spanish if they just took like three minutes to just say hey does this look right instead of just popping into google translate they'd be fine but like one one outlet actually was flat out wrong they were like oh this is a dominican children's show from the 60s well technically it was but it was based off of this venezuelan folk song whatever it doesn't matter um the the interesting thing in that is benet kind of like showed that he's resentful of Machado he called by calling him uh, Maria Munito and it was all based around the fact that like her character this this um this children's character has braids in her hair and Machado started rocking some braids in his hair and he wrote this thing and it wasn't like it was derogatory but like the whole thing was just kind of framed as like the the Phillies don't want to have this like like incredibly he's lazy yeah but like they don't want to have this like this guy who's just lazy, who's like braiding his hair, uh -huh. influencing their young players. And it's like, it's the oldest old man take. And it's an oldest old man take from an old man in Venezuela. Like, I don't know. I don't know how else. This yeah, I read your but. translation of it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. If I had a guess, I would say that they're probably more interested in Bryce Harper than they are Manny Machado. They'll probably be more aggressive with Bryce Harper. I would think that they wouldn't preclude themselves from the idea of, of maybe 
going down that path if they needed to. He obviously still fills a need. People forget this. I know he had a rough October, but the guy is still a generational talent. He can play third base. He can play shortstop. I mean, he can hit. Yeah, he's he's in his mid-20s. He can hit 35 home runs for you. He's going to get on base. Um, Bryce Harper certainly fits the profile of what they want in an offensive player more so than Manny Machado does. Bryce Harper's more selective. Um, Certainly the power is there, uh, but he gets on base in the three high 300s. I mean, that's really what they I think they want and what they value in a hitter, but uh, I don't think that they're out necessarily on Manny Machado, but if a team like the Yankees wants to get involved and they want to step up and go over market value and, and really blow the competition out of the water, then I don't think the Phillies would be prepared to match that. Whereas I think that the Phillies are probably going to be the most aggressive pursuer of Harper, um, you know, 10 years $500 million, I don't see that, but I do think that the Phillies would be willing to go into the high $300 millions and, and maybe max at $400 million. I could see them... I could see them spending, you know, roughly $35 million a year uh, on, on Bryce Harper. I could see that being the case, or maybe even a couple million more. Um, so, and I would, I would certainly classify that as an aggressive offer. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing that I, I think is funny, and I know you do this, but if you compare the the comments on the site versus on the uh, like when the the post goes on Twitter and then also yeah. on Facebook, it's just totally different clientele. And oh, like sure, the yeah. Facebook commenters, man, they like they're like, I don't care, he's a wimp, he doesn't uh, play about hard. Machado. Yeah, like he doesn't oh, yeah, play that's hard. It. Keep his keep his lazy ass out of here. Yeah, I don't want bring him on his this lunch team. He's to gonna work he's and... gonna ruin he's yeah. gonna ruin this team. He's gonna ruin yeah. this clubhouse. He's gonna ruin Reese Hoskins. It's like. Where do you get that? Yeah. The dude's 26. He plays a premium position. I don't know about you, but like I didn't watch Scott Kingery, J.P. Crawford, or like Cesar Hernandez last year and say, yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm i fine. I don't need Manny Machado. I don't need a guy who can, you know, in this park, probably crush near 40 home runs, hit you over 100 RBI for the season. Like Philly fans no, are a little bit we, of a we fraud don't, we that don't, way. We don't need that. Like Here's, a, here's that? a hot take for you. Philly fans are a little bit of a fraud that way. Like They say like they like grinders and they just want guys that hustle and give it their all. Like That's actually complete bullshit. If you look at a guy like Jalen Mills, right? He was a seventh-round draft pick. He plays his ass off. Um, you know, He was a significant contributor to a Super Bowl team a year ago. He struggled this year. Do you think it's for lack of effort? Like This is a guy that kind of grinded his way into a starting position. He had some, some success. He made a little bit of a name for him himself and now people want to rip his face off because he started to struggle and you know so like if you really value bringing your lunch pail to work every day and gritty blue collar athletes then you wouldn't be giving a guy like that shit in my opinion I I think that production wins the day if Manny Machado comes here and hits 300 and he hits 35 homers and plays good defense and he happens to help this team win games that's what people are going to value. So I think Philly fans have to get over this idea. And it's not everybody. And I think that we're starting to move towards a new era of fan in the city that understands this type of thing a little bit more. But that old school, like, this guy's a bum. Did you see what he did in the playoffs that one time? Like, those people, like, they're starting to fade away. And I'm very prepared for that to happen because they're wrong. Well, speaking of uh, people who have tried to claw their way back and, and play hard, we had a, a Markel Fultz sighting. Uh, that's not something I really care all that much about. But, uh, Kevin, since you cover the, uh, the yeah. Sixers for the crossingbroad.com, uh, let's let's really quick hit on the fact yeah. that Jimmy I gotta Butler let you is know everything, last, for is this, everything s- I've ever wanted. Well, the Saturday, Saturday night game, I was kind of drunk uh, watching most of that. So, But I remember a lot more about Friday. Um, 
Great. Last night, Great. I mean, dude, well, what more can you say other than that's why you signed Jimmy Butler? You know, you know, as, as good of a player as Robert Covington was, he's not making that play. That defensive Darius play. Is Darius Arch play. probably isn't making that three-pointer or even being called to, to take that three-pointer. I mean, that's what it is. That, that's, a, that's a game, Russ, you know as well as I do, that they lose last year. You know? Yep. It's a game that they lost Absolutely. earlier this year. That's before a game that they, they lose for the had, last yeah, decade. Yeah, before they had Jimmy this, Butler. Yeah. This is prior to process. Like, this is Iguodala years. This is even Iverson years. Like, they don't make... They don't make that shot. Yeah, it's gonna be. Iverson only had what two game winners in his career, and they were like, I think it was in the same season, right? He had the jump shot yeah. uh, from the free throw line, and then he had the steal, yeah. and then he he won it on a layup. But like Butler comes in, and I think fu- the funniest bromance that's going on, you know, like everybody knew about the the trust the friendship between yeah. TJ and Dario, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like this Jimmy Butler JJ Redick <laughs> thing is hilarious, and the fact that like Jimmy, when interviewed after the game, said that JJ said like I bet you won't call game, and then he goes out there and. I, what I liked about it, I found this incredibly encouraging, is Jimmy's first game, I was upset that there weren't times, like especially during the 17-0 run, that they didn't just call an ISO play for Jimmy Butler to, to try to, you know, slow down the game a little bit, try to get some momentum, get the guy to the line, or, or get, you know, a, a jump shot out of the flow of the offense, of course, but like doing something that he, he can do very well. I was encouraged by the fact that not only did they go to him at the end of the regulation, but they went right back to him in overtime yeah. with the game on yeah. the line. And I, I think that... That speaks a lot to the trust they have in him, but also knowing that, like, at the end of games, you have not been successful at getting Joel Embiid the ball and winning the game. That doesn't mean that Joel can't do it. It just means that, like, everybody knows to gear up against him because he's your best offensive threat. Ben Simmons is not a threat at the end of a game. Markel Fultz is not a threat. You can shut down J.J. Redick, but, like, now... It's not as if people needed to see Jimmy Butler hit a game winner to believe that he was that kind of closer. He's he's now, I guess, he's back to being second in the league in points in the fourth quarter. But, like, the the guy knows how to finish games. The guy knows how to finish in general. And, and he, you know, changes the entire complexion of what this offense yeah, is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you have those late-game situations in the past before Butler was here, kind of their bread and butter, their go-to play was that they would run elbow with Joel Embiid and, and J.J. Redick, and that's the play where they run that kind of high dribble handoff at the elbow, and then Embiid sort of reads Redick, and you can counter on the cut, or you can hand off and have him kind of curl off of off Joel's screens there. Um, you know, Joel has put some of those screens on people where he just knocks them on their ass, you know, and you give them the screen assist for it, right? That was their bread and butter because they really didn't have anybody else to go to late in the game. It was either Joel <laughs> taking it down or J.J., you know, drawing up a play for him. Um, with Butler in there, that changes everything. You know, it was only like 72 hours into it. You know, the Friday night game, they had him learn in pretty much a decent chunk of the offense. They had three calls on the play sheet for for Jimmy Butler um, by Friday night. They ran that little clear out that they do where they run that three-man game. They'll go and stand two guys in the opposite corner, like totally away from the play, and they'll flare Butler or Redick to the foul line extended then they'll bring them back around that double screen there and try to get him like a shot at the three-point line or he can step into the foul line he can shoot that so that's one play that they got him on uh they ran elbow for him with amir johnson on friday night it didn't really work out but he he had picked it up he knew what the play was and then they called that slob for him on on friday night the sideline out of bounds play where, where simmons hit him on the uh on the lob after he just burned joe ingles um you know, get into the get into the bucket there. When actually, I think what they were trying to do on that—that's one option on that play. But you see, if you go back and watch that play again, Joel Embiid did not set a back screen for Jimmy Butler at all. He actually turned, and he's supposed to sort of set that cross screen for JJ Redick instead. So you have two kind of options on that. But Ben Simmons said, "You, I just looked at him, and I knew where he was going to be." 
Um, that's interesting to me too. see how Ben kind of, uh, tries to connect the dots now with, with trying to get Butler involved, getting Redick his looks as well, getting the ball into Joel Embiid. And everybody wants to see Ben still take like 10 shots a game, but there's only a finite amount of shots to go around, you know? Um, so it's interesting to see. I, th- I think he's going to be kind of, you know, the ripple effect on how that affects Ben's game is probably going to be the most interesting thing moving forward. Yep. That's my point. I, no, I, Those are my points. I, at some point we have to... I don't know. This will be another day, but we'll have to kind of get into uh, Ben's spacing and and just like it. It seems like practically every time down court now, it's Ben makes it look like he's going to go to the rim, and then he just like flips a UB right at the free throw yeah. line. To they're still blocking out. him off with two and, guys there, and it's yeah. it's happening yeah. all the time mm-hmm. because there's no threat. There's no threat of a jumper. Um, but that's that's another argument. Yeah, for you see day. how that develops too. I mean, he he's been adamant. Brett Brown has said the same thing that they don't really need to see growth from him in that position. And you know, kind of at the beginning of the year, we thought that where his development was going to be this year was actually going down into power forward and you know posting some people up and spacing the floor that way by getting the hell out of the way. Um, but you know, I don't know how many three pointers you want you want Joel taking. You know, I, I think I still think the problem sometimes when they get stagnant on offense is that Joel likes be settling for three pointers when it's not about getting him down to the rack because he gets easy buckets there. It's about getting him to the foul line. You know, he's had games this year that they've won where he's shot like sixteen for twenty from the free throw line. You know, he he of of all people in the NBA, like who who else besides Joel can can get to the line with as much ease or as much frequency with him, if he really wants to. Anthony, Anthony Davis, Davis probably could. Maybe a motivated Carl Anthony yeah. Towns. It's not There's many. not it's many. Not there many. really isn't. So I think that's what you do. They just, you know, I, I used, when we were doing the podcast last week, Ross, I, was, I used that like football analogy. I, I still think they don't really understand that change of pace, how to shift gears and close out a game. But with, but with Butler the other night, you, you know, you see that, that, that it's there if they need it now. Yep. It's nice. It's refreshing. Yeah. Um, of course, there are going to be some interesting, you know, topics of, of potential trades that they might go for. And actually, a guy on Twitter, uh, Ace Slusher, said, uh, you know, going back to the Eagles for a second, he was like, um, you know, we sold our souls for last season. I'm fine with it because we couldn't have dreamed of anything better, but I can't do any more Eagles. It's like Phil's offseason is where I'm at uh, until we trade for Kemba at the deadline. I know Kemba Walker had like an incredible game. But I, I I don't think he fits on this team at all. You want to talk about another guy who's ball? Yeah, dominant. he doesn't. You know, I mean, he, he can get his he can get his buckets, but like to, yeah, he needs yeah. the ball. I don't know who and else that, is out. That if, yeah, I don't. I mean, what was what was your story about the other day? You, you were you were making the case should, Bradley, they, should they go all in it's, for? It's it's like if they decided they wanted to go all in, there are only a few targets they could really have, and like the the one that I think is perfect is Bradley Beal. But like you kind of you you blew it on the Butler trade, yeah. and I'm not saying that 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 was the wrong move to make. Um, and I'm not saying that Washington was looking to trade Beal, but like between Porter Beal and John Wall, I think they have like $120 million uh, locked mm-hmm. up for the next like three, four years, um, which which is bad. Like that was just poor mismanagement on their part. Um, but like John Wall is going to be making $40 million, $42 million the last couple of years of his deal. He's he's not movable. What? So to me, like Bradley Beal is out there, but the problem is for the Sixers, like to make the salaries mm-hmm. work, you would have to trade, like Muscala is only making five, you would need to trade like Wilson Chandler and his twelve, but like at that point, you know, you're you're depleting depth even more. Now, like a starting five that has Bradley Beal in it, as well as like Jimmy Butler and and Ben and Joe and JJ, like that's an incredible starting five. But like then you really are going to like the 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 thinnest bench you could have, and it all has to be young players, young shooters. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. you're kind of going that way anyway. But the offset of that, of course, is like 
the, when the waiver wire kind of kicks in again, you're going to have teams that are going to be looking at this, or guys that are going to be looking at the Sixers and saying, wow, you know, Bellinelli and Ilyasova went there to finish out the year, and look at the contracts those guys got. They got multiple yeah, years guaranteed yeah, yeah. guaranteed salaries. Like, that that does mean I, something. I think... And you see the way that this team is, like, free-flowing. You know that, that Ben and company can get you, you know, open shots. They're, they're going to be an attractive destination. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be the same. You, like, you don't team, have you know? to. Yeah, I mean, like, going, going for, like, a guy like Carmel would be fucking pointless right now um, for more reasons than yeah. one. But I th- I honestly think where they're the weakest for us right now are kind of like the, where the question marks are. It's like in the backup big position, you know, because, yeah, like, I'm you're starting Wilson Chandler right now, and everybody kind of thought he was going to be coming off the bench and playing some three. Um, so you got Amir Johnson, you got Mike Mascala, who's who's in a, who's a decent player, but but I, I you know I was looking, I was watching Nemanja Bjelica play at the beginning of the year, and he had he had something where he I think in October he went like six games in a row where he scored like double digit points, and I think I think Sacramento been been starting him at power forward, and I'm sitting here thinking you know if you had, like Neman if you did land Nemanja Bjelica, you're bringing him off the bench, um, and you had just a viable. I don't know. It, Amir's had some okay games, and he's he, he grinds and he gets some tough he's, rebounds for you. But he's not. I mean, he does. <laughs> he doesn't have a ton. Of, he, yeah, he really doesn't. There's not. There's not a lot. Yeah, of some of those like, lineups. Know what you're some getting, of those but, lineups with Mascala and Amir in there, they just don't have a ton of scoring. Yeah, and so I want. I wonder yeah, like if Jonah, Jordan Bolton hasn't really translated well yet, and and I keep coming back around yeah, to the Andre Andre's right. Pashekness no, trade and the fact yeah, that like yeah. he's still abroad and like he's not coming over anytime soon. So like. I don't know. That's I think that's. I a, guess Bob uh, doesn't have any Sixers. thoughts on um, yeah, on Pashechnik because he muted his uh, microphone on the. Uh, thing. Yeah, that's a little outside my depth. <laughs> so uh, you guys, you guys are killing well, it. Well, we'll do a side sidebar really, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then let's do uh, really quick before we wrap up because the other question was about when will Hackstall get fired. Um, I couldn't tell you to be honest. I feel like the the Flyers were pretty much on the cusp of of doing it before they went on their five zero and one tear. And now they they are coming off three consecutive losses at home to Florida, the Devils, and the Lightning. Although the the uh, flip side of that is the Lightning game, they fell behind five one. They ended up tying the game up. It looked like they had all momentum, and then lost in overtime. I don't know. I, I feel like this organization's in love with them, and I, I don't think Ron Hextall is ever going to want to fire him. So unless the organization wants to kill the GM and the coach, I was uh... Uh, figuratively. I don't. I don't know if it's going to happen. I was at the Devils game the other night because um, my wife is able to get tickets through her employer, and uh, they usually hand those tickets out to clients like as a, you know, a schmoozy like here go go to the Flyers game kind of thing, right? So she had tickets. She was able to snag tickets uh, right up on the glass because it was the night of the storm and like nobody could get down to the city. It was just really shitty out in the suburbs, I guess. And uh, so I sat like right along the glass there, right behind Brian Elliott, and. Um, there ended up being like a decent amount of people there. I think the building was still almost full, even though it was like kind of crappy weather or whatever. But like, man, I'm telling you, man, that place was dead. That yeah, place it's, was it's been like that dead, all year. man. There was no Anthony jam I, in the building. Let's get some fucking jam in the building, as Lobby used lobby. to say. Yeah, and I'm like sitting there, like looking at my wife. I'm like, man, it's quiet in here. It's like nothing. But but as I'm sitting there watching it, I'm like, what 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 do people have to get excited about anyway? Here's what I was. Here's my here's, here's like my, my only flyers point. This is just kind of like a rhetorical question. It's not even really a point, but who who is the last? And Russ, you're um, you're recused from answering this because you're a credential beat reporter now, so you can't answer this question. But Bob, who is the last? Let me just make sure Bob's not muted here. Oh, I'm, you're, I'm okay. here. I'm alive um, still. Yeah, we're still Bob, kicking. who is the last Flyers player 
that you were like excited to watch? Uh, probably Danny Briere. Danny you Briere know, when they acquired him. Yeah, I mean, I know the the answer to that is Claude Drew, and he's the most underrated player in the game. You know, but um, that was a guy like when they acquired mm-hmm. him. I'm like, okay, like that's a big time name, and he's a good player. And so that I'm makes like, stuff yeah, yeah. I'm, see, here's my thing. Like, I'm I'm not like Jake Voracek's a nice player. Wayne Simmons is a nice player, and Claude Drew is a really good player. Uh, but but I'm I want to see like Steven Stamkos. I want to see Kucherov here. I want to see. Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. Really I want to see like player. Tarasenko of five years ago. I want to see Connor McDavid. What's the name of the dude on the Sabres? Not the Sabres. Um, fuck, what the fuck is his name? I can't remember. Jack Eichel. Yes, thank you. Just give me some, like, like, like oh like when you watch Alex Ovechkin play like I'm excited because I like I know he's gonna snipe the goalkeeper from the blue line or something you know and like I'm just like looking at this Flyers team and like they're just a bunch of dudes. All right, Russ, I have a question for you. So I, I guess the Twitter question was how much longer will Hackstall last, right? And uh, you said they you felt that they were on the brink of doing it before they had their little West Coast swing. Um, you know, just looking at the schedule real quick, right? So, if you look at this, at the end of this month and going into December, you have Buffalo on Wednesday night, and then you have your Black Friday game against the Rangers. The next night, they're at Toronto, and then uh, the following Tuesday, they're, I guess, they're home against Ottawa. And then that brings us to December 1st, uh, which is at Pittsburgh on a Saturday night. They don't play again. They don't play again for five days after that game. Is there any scenario in which they have a, a rough four or five game stretch here they get absolutely you know waffled by the penguins on that december 1st game and they say you know what we've got five days off in between games now's the time to do it yeah i I think it's there i mean there there's no doubting it i mean that that'll be the nail in the coffin for him would be the maple Leafs are, are likely going to win they always play rough games against the rangers if lundquist is in net you can pretty much write it off uh, if you get embarrassed, it would have to be an embarrassment. But I do think, yeah, if if they go on a, a rough stretch here, if this if this goes to like six straight without a win, I, I don't consider overtime losses to be a victory. I know that there are some people who go with points percentage over raw winning wins and losses, but uh, yeah, I, I guess in theory they could. I mean, Anthony and I talked about this. Joel Quenville came available. Um, Right before the Flyers went on their road trip, um, no, sorry, that that's that's kind of wrong. No, it was after they it, went on they their road trip. They, yeah, yeah, they went yeah. they went on their road trip. They went and had this great streak, and as soon as they came back, Quenville got fired. And I made the comment that like that would have been the perfect moment in in an alternate universe. The Flyers go on the road, they get shellacked, and the organization says, "Look, mm-hmm, it, it's mm-hmm, time." Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's Dave Scott. I think it's Comcast Spectacore kind of coming down onto. Uh, Hextall and says like, look, th- a change needs to be made. Like we're we're losing concessions. Like, Kevin, the the fact that you thought the place was pretty full is interesting yeah. to me because most of the games I've been at this year, if you would say that like there's what twenty thousand seats, nineteen thousand or whatever they yeah. can sell, I, I I would be shocked if there's been a game I've been at that has had more than sixty. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just from looking around, I expected it's, it to be like just half swapped. empty because it's, of the, the storms. But by the time we walked in at back in for the second period i'm like oh it looks like it's kind of foolish here i I don't i don't know i don't don't know if it was other people who were in like the same situation as me like people who normally go couldn't go so they just offloaded their tickets to other people i mean it was easy for me to just get in the truck and drive down 95 it wasn't like i was coming in from like 
um, you know, bumfuckville or whatever. But it just like I, I honestly, if <laughs> Good town, if I was a flyer, it's in Schuylkill uh, County. If I was the hey <laughs> hey hey, if I, if I was a flyers man, honestly, I'm being 100 percent serious. I'm not again. Like I wrote in the hot takes column, like I'm not. I am not like anti hockey. Like I don't want Flyers fans to get upset. It's not that nobody likes your sport. It's not that at all. But this te- this Flyers team right now is what the Sixers were ten years ago. This this Flyers yeah. team is Drew Holiday, Evan Turner, Thad Young, Elton Brand. Um, you know, Hinky. They need the Flyers need to bring in Hinky. Trade, get rid of Giroux, Voracek, Simmons. That that core is not good enough. You know, keep your young guys, get a real coach in here, and just start it over because everybody knows everybody knows what this Flyers team is. That's kind of what Hextall was brought in to do. Like he rebuilt the farm system, um, and and they have an infusion of a lot of good young players. But like where I can kind of see where you're you're coming from about six or ten years ago, like the Flyers had better top end talent than, than those teams did. Like Giroux, Voracek, but do for they, whatever you want to say about really? them. Like, I mean, I don't yeah, they're they're more established vets. Yeah, because like Giroux was fourth in MVP voting last year after position switch. Voracek is still a guy who can get eighty-ish points. Um, they they have more top end talent than those teams did. But you're right in in so far as like they are a middling team, and part of that is goaltender, which has has plagued the team for what two decades now. It's know, it's just been this thing that they've never been able to kind of figure out, and a lot of it is because they always feel like they have the next guy in the minors. They never want to sign a guy long term. The biggest you know malpractice they did, and this was Ed Snyder's fault, was signing Ilya yeah. Brzezgalov when he had Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah. I mean, you had a young goaltender who went went on to win uh, the Vezina. Like this is this is a thing that they screwed up on, but whatever. Yeah, um, I. I you know, that's that's a can that's I, another that's a kind of make a final. Um, I gotta. F- get cracking on this story here but I, I have a union point i want to make before um i read whoa you want to talk about teams that nobody cares about you know, man, talk about, right, yeah ahead. they went from like people really cared about um the playoffs to like jack shit uh there's a press conference tomorrow season ending press conference tomorrow and they sent out a press release last week that said it was going to be ernst tanner and jim Curtin. um so I, that immediately jumped out at me and i'm like okay well jim that means jim's coming back next year why the fuck would they have an end of season press press conference with an out-of-contract coach if they weren't going to bring him back. And then when they went out and they announced it on social, they kept branding it as Ernst Tanner's end-of-season press conference. Jim Curtin's name is not on there anywhere. Uh, the graphic is Ernst's, like, photoshopped and, like, look, you know, he's got his arms folded. And, with yeah. the arms. The arms so crossed, that's yeah, interesting to me pose. because I, I don't, I, don't, I mean, Ernst. obviously it sounds to me like Jim Curtin's coming back, but the, I don't understand the discrepancy of them announcing it one way in the press release versus announcing it a different way on social media. So that that was interesting to me. I don't I don't know what we'll expect tomorrow, but I will effort uh more information if anybody gives a shit. So. Can I uh can I just ask you guys since we all like and cover different sports, is there a single coach in the city right now that you feel like tactically has any idea what they're doing? <laughs> like feels legitimately like we have a genius of a coach or somebody who's like well above average somebody who's like top five in their sport because like if you i know it it's gonna it it maybe i know people aren't gonna like this but like take the super bowl away from doug peterson for a second right like take take that confluence of all the the things go yeah but like take that perfect scenario where they were i don't think they were i I think the patriots were the better team but they they won that game Right, which things, is all the more things, credit. Things, to the yeah, but coach. a lot of Doug's success well, was predicated. Goes, goes to, was predicated it, not because he was like an X and X's and O's tactical genius. A lot of it was feel and making gutsy 
play calls and gutsy fourth down conversions and stuff like that. Philly special, you know? Um, yeah, so like it, if we look at this, are any of these coaches top five in their sport? No, Hackstall's no. not. I'll speak for that. Bob? Kapler? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just too early to say. I, I mean, to your point, I would say no at the moment. I don't think you could make an argument that he is, but I, I do think that um, there's some potential there. By the way, uh, shout out to Gabe. Uh, you know, obviously he lost his home last week, and uh, it was pretty cool. I, I think I don't know if you saw the story or not, but he, he sure hosted did. some uh, pediatric patients on Friday night. They slept over at the Phillies clubhouse, and he's there to greet them and all that stuff. I thought that was a real good look. Uh, obviously a great thing by the Phillies, but uh, I thought it was a pretty good look on Kapler's part, too, for, for being part of that. It was. So uh, he's not a top-five manager. Okay. But no. But Let's no, go. Uh, Jim Curtin? No. Although he actually finished Doug well, Peterson? Jim Jim Curtin actually. actually finished fourth in Coach of the Year voting this year. But okay. I think that's relative. Again, that's that that's an award that's kind of relative to to, to, to history. your history and what kind of talent you have. I mean, it's just really really hard. To, it's really hard to make that determination in MLS because the union just spends shit shit money anyway. So relative to the amount of money they spend as an uninspiring uh, club, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say that award was justified. But no, he's not. Gerardo Martino. Is Brett Brown a top five coach? Bob? I don't want to put Kevin on. Oh, you know, no. He's, a no I, I don't think you can make any argument that Brett Brown's a top five coach. So, and then we, we get to Doug. Is, is Doug a top five coach? No. Uh, but I think you could make an argument that he's a top ten coach. But, but then who's your, who's your like, <laughs> what everybody's just saying, Bill Belichick. What, Sean McVay? Payton. Sean Payton. Sean Payton and has had Brew, Brew Drees. I said Drew It's fucking late. <laughs> it's getting late. He's had Drew Brees for, what, nine years now or something? How many Super Bowls have they won? One. Doug, Peter, Doug Peterson and Nick Foles uh, have the Carroll? same amount. P, P, well, Is Pete Carroll up there? I don't Mike know. Tomlin? Condo, you know, Condoleezza Rice. Right. fans hate Tomlin. These would Hits be the names. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even making this in terms of an argument. McCarthy. I mean, but these are the names, right? It goes Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, Condoleezza Rice, Doug Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Andy, Andy I mean, you Reed? could probably make an argument. You could probably make an argument that, that Doug Peterson's a top five coach. Nobody wants to hear that this morning no, as I you're listening to this, but... Uh, I mean, he, I don't think he is, though, Bob. But I mean, he. Okay, so then who's ahead? <laughs> because, of him, uh, like, right? Like, who's? Uh, I don't want to. Well, do give this. me your I don't Mount Rushmore. Right now. Don't we have to? Don't we have to kind of like <laughs> your, your Mount Rushmore? Yeah, um, I don't. I don't want to do this. I'm out. Oh, this is gonna be. We're programming for no, Mike what we need to do is that Wednesday is general knowledge. Is Tuesday gonna be Mount Rushmore of yeah. NFL coaches? We need to okay. do a Mount Rushmore um, of fart noises and then end this podcast mercifully. <laughs> so really quick. So if if tactically none of these guys are top five, the one thing that I feel like. A few of these guys have as a common thread is that they're supposed to be these really good guys within the locker room with building rapport yeah, with their players. Yeah. Like Kapler's Kapler was was chronicled with that in his stint in the minors. Brett Brown, we know throughout the process yeah. years, like that's what stood out um, around Curtin, the league. Absolutely, we know that Doug Doug, you know, was huge with his players. Jim Curtin knows the city and and has you know good relationships with his players. Hexall uh, Hexall is like a. It's like a cyborg, uh, I feel like. He, he's just like, it, it's weird, man. Like, he does this tough love stuff with him, and then the kids, like, end up developing well. So I don't think he's loved as much in the locker room as, you know, the player, as the the other coaches in the city. But, like, four out of five, at least, like, they're they're good. Like, do we, 
is the social emotional intelligence aspect of this what's really the most important thing in sports like if it is then maybe you stick with four of these coaches you know what i mean like i i don't know this is maybe a side yeah, thing sorry i started here, typing like, uh again on the thing and i got distracted there yeah i don't, I don't know man i don't know I, I i thought that doug you know where he excelled was feel and brett brown for example i don't think he feels the game as much as doug does but he's got a good design and a good scheme and they're fun and the Sixers are fun to watch you know and they know what they want to do and you could argue whether it's they're doing the right thing but i don't know yeah it's crazy because i mean if you go back even last year you'd say doug was really good at what he did brett brown was a 52 win coach um <laughs> jim Curtin took a ragtag group of people to the open cup final again when they had no business doing that so I don't know. I don't know. And Kapler, you know, last last year was, you know, first place in the, you know, NL East for however long. So how quickly things change right. here. It's crazy. 610-632-09. All right, guys, I got to go. It was a pleasure. And, yeah. All right. Yeah, thanks, good uh, talk. thanks to See all the listeners there. for good listening. Good chat, guys. Thank you. Good chat. All right. Over an hour. Uh, don't forget to go uh, check out these guys on Twitter. Follow them. Uh, at BW Crossing Broad, at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Of course, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thanks for listening to Crossing Broadcast. We'll be back later this week with another episode. Go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, which you can find in the description of this episode, as, lo- as well as the links to everybody's Twitter handles. So go follow those guys and uh, have an absolutely fantastic uh, rest of your week.